Good morning, listeners. You're welcome to this week's Ag Report. I'm Jim Finn. Later on in the programme, I will be talking to Willie Phelan from Zurich Insurance. And there's a little bit at the end of that interview that everybody should enjoy. And I'm also going to be talking to John Cross, who is the IFA Sheep Chair Committee man in South Tipperary. And my final guest this morning will be the president of the Irish Cream and Milk Suppliers Association, Pat McCormack. I visited the Chagas stands, and as you know, I have Chagas on my programme every single week, and I now have the new director of Chagas, I suppose, Frank O'Mara, and of course... I just hardly knew anymore, Frank, is it? You're in a while. I'm nearly coming up to the year now, the, yeah. the first year done. Yeah. So, yeah, sure, it's been a great year and delighted we were kind of coming, finishing with the ploughing because, you know, Chagas is an organisation that uh, we have an awful lot of farmer clients. Our job is to, to work with farmers, so where better would you get a, such a collection of farmers than at the ploughing? And we hope to meet a lot of them here now over the next three days. And you meet an awful lot of non-farmers here as well. And you, you do, of course, yeah, yeah. And look, sure, they're important too. A lot of them are working in the industries that are... are supplying farmers or, or buying their produce or working in the food industry and um, are they just people that, you know, that live in rural areas or live in towns and cities and just interested to see and I think it's, it's really important, you know, a lot of the issues we, we deal with now in agriculture around the climate, it's really important that everybody understands what we're doing so it's great the ones that do come here, I'm, you know, we, we give them a big welcome and we show them what we're doing and the science that's all behind agriculture, I think that's, that's and, they're, and they're generally fascinated with it and I suppose the one big issue happens to be around climate change. Actually, look, it is now, and that's not to say it's not the only issue. You know, we, we have a, a war in Ukraine at the moment that's playing havoc with uh, fertiliser markets and prices and feed prices and so on. So, so, look, there are loads of issues, but climate change is certainly, you know, the issue I think that's going to be there with us for, for a long time. And, look... Um, Agriculture has a challenge and target to meet, but uh, our job is to, to work and see how, how farmers can, can um, I suppose, continue to farm while reducing their emissions and maybe sequestering more carbon out of the air. So what role has efficiency, has technology to play in that? And we're, uh, you know, we've, we've a lot of lot going on. We've technologies farmers can adopt now, like protected urea, low emission slurry spreading. There's a lot more in the pipeline and we've some very promising research at an early stage. So, look, I think there's a there's a technology solution to a lot of this. And I know from talking to farmers, Frank, that they are looking to Chagas to give them the science because they're going to need that science to meet the 25. They'll probably meet 2022 relatively easily. Yeah. But it's that last... It'll be the last bit, yeah. Bit. Look at, like with everything. And I suppose, look, even getting to 2022 will not be easy. It will require a lot of new technologies on farms, things like the protected urea, but also using clover. It'll involve trying to get our cattle finished uh, a bit earlier, you know, at a younger age without compromising on, on quality or costs. So it'll require a lot of changes. It's not that this 20% is, is easy, but as you say, it gets harder and harder, and that's where research has a really important role and to have another uh, tech number of technologies available for us in a couple of years' time that farmers can start adopting then at that stage. And I suppose, you know, we, we, we have a big role as well to play with helping farmers adopt those technologies because some of them are, are easy and some of them require more um more management in input and more knowledge to be gained by farmers. So, like for instance, clover is not an easy crop to, to grow. It's not hard, but it's not as straightforward as just growing straight grass. So, so we are there to support farmers with adopting technologies like that. But well, we know from experience that farmers are very, very good at 
adopting new ways of doing things and they have been doing it all the time just massive you know uh, from my day in farming yeah. things have changed out uh, completely and totally it's a new world that's right yeah I'm, I'm not a young fellow myself either maybe a little bit younger than you Jim but you know the changes that we have seen in, in the last 20 30 years in farming is, is incredible and you know the the skill of farmers the the technology that's that's used now in farming the standards that farmers are, are, are using and so on. It has changed immeasurably. And look, we're just on another phase of that journey. Farming will not be the same in 20 years' time as it is today. And I suppose, you know, we're starting that journey now. And it's, it's you know, I, I think farmers are very much up for that challenge. We had an open day in Johnstown Castle uh, about three weeks ago. Huge attendance at it. Farmers really interested to know what they can be doing now and also to know what new technologies were, were in the pipeline being developed. So I'm, I'm optimistic is maybe a strong word, but you know I, I certainly am very hopeful that we can make a, a, a big, um, a big in, in, impact on this challenge that we have. You have come into Chagas as director at a very exciting time, I would say to you. Well, look, our we're a technology and a science organisation, and and um, I suppose never has technology and science been more needed by by farming and by by agriculture. So yes, look, it is from, from that point of view, it's exciting. Obviously, it's challenging. You know, farmers are, are as you say, they're looking to us to to support them and, and to deliver the technologies. So the challenge is there for us, but we're up for it. We're putting a lot more resources into the whole climate area. We we have been on that journey for a couple of years, and look, we've got great great researchers, we've got great advisors, we've got great teachers, and and I think you know we're we're up for it, and I think farmers are up for it so I, I think agriculture will will play its part in, in this climate challenge. Now I know you're here at the ploughing and a lot of people listening to us this morning will not be here and will not be here but you have a very different type of chaga stand here this time. We have, we've um, for those that aren't here <laughs> we have a lot more outdoor exhibits so yeah. much more the stand, the area, the footprint that we have a lot more of it is devoted to outside displays so we have um we're standing here beside a couple of cattle, and I suppose the message here is about breeding. You know, uh, the, the, selecting the, the 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 best stock. These are a couple of cattle from our college in Kildalton, and you know they're fine, fine cattle. So that that's one stand. We've on the other side of us, we've a, a group of of cover crops that you know tillage farmers can plant, and the idea there is you you capture some of the nitrogen that might be in the soil that might otherwise go to waste, and it's there for you when you come to till that ground. And then we have a couple of exciting-looking gadgets, I suppose, yeah, or pieces I see of equipment. A lot of gadgets here, yes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we have two things in particular that are really important. We have what's called a flux tower, which is like a, a, a small pylon, mm-hmm. and there's a whole heap of instrumentation attached to it. And really, what it's doing is measuring the amount of carbon sequestration into our soils, and that's obviously a very important piece of information to, to know. And we're establishing a, ne- a network of about 30 of those around the country. And the other gadget beside that, then with, um, with a, a mock-up cow beside it is a, an instrument for measuring the methane emissions of cows. And this is something, you know, we're one of the few countries in the world that, that is trying to measure this at pasture. And we have um, a large number of these at our research centres where you put them out in the field, you entice the cow in by giving her or the bullock or whatever a small bit of meal and while they're inside, in, while they come in to get that, there's a kind of a hood over their head mm-hmm. and we're able to take a, a sample of their breath and measure how much methane they're emitting. So a lot of technology being brought to bear on, on this issue of, of uh, climate change. Now, my listeners would know that I'm very interested in forestry and behind you, you have uh, an outdoor forestry. Uh, we do. 
We do, yeah. And Ex look, exhibit. Uh, forestry is, is obviously a very important land use in Ireland. Over 12, over 11% of our land is, is under forest now. And look, it has a big role to play in terms of uh, offsetting emissions because it can sequester carbon out of the air. So look, there's a new forestry programme on, on the way. I think there'll be opportunities in, in that uh, for, for people who wish to, to plant. Um, we have, uh, you know, an exhibit there with different types of trees and, and so on that uh, that can be planted. And do you think, uh, and I really should maybe to the department that should be asking this question to you, uh, you know, we have never met our targets on forestry. Yeah, that's you know, right. Will we ever meet them? Well, look, I think there's there's many kind of uh, roadblocks or whatever, you know, that need yeah. to be smoothed over or, or got around and things, you know, issues with licensing and, and so on. But in the end of the day, I suppose, you know, for most uh, landowners, it's an economic decision. Does the does the potential return from plant and forestry, you know, is that the best use you can make out of your land? And I think, that, you know, the economics of that are, are, are pretty good at the moment. You know, we, we see the price of timber and, and all that and uh, the... The, the high demand for it. So, as as an investment, and um, I, I think it I think it will be attractive to to you know to people in in the future. You know whether we reach our targets. I suppose that depends maybe on how high we set the targets. Are they realistic ones? Um, and and you know what effort we can put put in then to to smooth out those roadblocks and encourage people to to take up or to at least look at this option. And if it's for them, go for it. If it's not for you, don't go for it. There's another target that we don't seem to be able to reach either and that's the organic target to get farmers to switch to organic farming. Yes yeah and again uh, I suppose we we have a lot of organics in Ireland we've less than two percent of our land is is in organics or around around the the two percent anyway and the target is to bring that up to seven and a half percent. We're we're finding there's a lot of interest now among farmers in organics I suppose you know we see the price of fertilizers that's one thing that's causing farmers maybe to, to look at it. You have a new organic scheme going to open. So um, we're getting a lot of interest. Like we, we ran over 10 farm walks this year on organics with the Department of Ag. Huge interest and attendance at those. We have a lot of farmers now that are saying to us they want to consider the new organic scheme when it opens. So we've we put in uh, six extra advisors and two extra specialists to, to cope with that demand. So we think there's going to be a lot of people looking at it. And again, we'd say to them, come in, We'll we'll tell you about it. We'll you know you should you should visit a, a, an open day or whatever. Talk to people. Talk to other farmers. If it's for you, we'll work with you in, in terms of your of your application. And if it's not for you, there's nothing lost. Frank, look at. Thank you ever so much for your time. I look forward to talking to you in the years to come, and uh, we will have plenty of discussions with regard to the science. That. And I'm particularly interested in the science side yes. of what Chagas are doing. Yeah, and look, sure, that's our that's where we that's where we're involved in the whole science underpinning agriculture and food. And delighted to talk to you and your, and, and for your listeners to uh, to get a chance to talk to them, Jim. And no doubt we'll 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 have more chats. That listeners was Frank O'Mara, the director of Chagas. Listeners, insurance is something that every single farmer has to have. As a matter of fact, every single householder should have insurance of some description. And I suppose maybe some farmers are trying maybe to cut back on what they're giving and paying for their insurance. So to talk about insuring your farm and your livestock and 
your, your dwelling, etc. I have Willie Phelan from Zurich Insurances. Now, Zurich are one of the co- companies that are one of the biggest companies, I should say, uh, that uh, have a portfolio for farm insurance. Willie, it's good to meet you. Jim, lovely to see you too, and, and you're very welcome to the Zurich stand here at, at the ploughing. It's, it's great to be back. It's great to be back, yes, there's Jeez. no doubt at all about it. But today now I'm very interested because, uh, you know, things have changed rapidly in the last nine months, thanks to the Russians, I suppose, we'll, yes. uh, we'll say that much. And inflation is, I suppose, running at a very high rate at the moment, and you're not... Uh, protected against no more than the farmer. Certainly, Jim. Well, look, I suppose, absolutely. Um, look, we know we know some uh, some of the farmers. I suppose we're we're seeing huge huge prices for different for commodities. Milk is is at an all time high, and then people say, oh, you know, that they're getting huge milk checks. But at the same time, their costs have gone up substantially. And in the same way, I suppose, from our point of view, uh, insurance rates haven't really haven't really gone up but what has gone up I suppose is the cost of rebuilding Jim and replacing uh, your buildings replacing your tractor your car your jeep and I suppose is the one thing that we're trying to get across to lads is that uh, to have something to have their everything insured properly so f- from that perspective it's not necessarily an increase in rates but an increase in the values probably is necessary to bring farmers into line and to have them insured properly in the event of a claim so that they won't end up disappointed and that's the one thing we want to make sure that you know to give people the proper advice and advise them properly I mean you could have bought a tractor Jim 10 or 10 years ago and maybe a four-wheel drive tractor you could have given 15 or 20 thousand for it and it could actually be worth more today that's the it's amazing thing about it you know so look I suppose the, that's, the, that's the advice we're, that we're giving here today to we're quite happy to call out to farmers and you know and to advise them and, and look at what they have but I mean it's the one thing the message that you need to look at your values of all your both your buildings and your sheds and your livestock across the board now you mentioned calling out to farmers yes you know uh, most insurance companies now they want to do everything online Willie yes yes. well look Jim there is a trend there's certainly a trend for the online and look some people they're quite happy to do that I suppose but look we pride ourselves on you know giving giving say the one to one advice you know there, there are no two farmyards the same Jim right. and you know and you know that better than anybody and it is a bit like you know you, look, you could have two farmers comparing insurances and one lad is saying oh, well I'm only paying so much and the other lad will say well I'm paying half that and but you, you can't compare you know and you can't compare what lads are going to what one man will insure and another man won't but look no I mean what, what we like to do is is to call to people and our existing clients and new clients and give them look at what they have sit down with them have the conversation and if look uh, sometimes a farmer will decide look I'm well I can't afford to do that but at least he has the knowledge and he can make the decision that you know he he, he has the, the information and he makes the decision himself but but you know but there's no point in telling them afterwards you know it's, it's before you know if, if you give them the advice give them the proper advice and let them make a, a, an informed choice and how difficult then is it for a farmer you're asking a farmer to put a value on we'd say his uh, slatted unit well Jim certainly look some farmers they might have built in recent times and right. those you know any lad that has put up a shed in, in recent months or years has a fair idea but we're not qualified valuers or, or 
uh, specialised valuers, but, but we do have guidelines. So what what we generally do is we have guidelines from all from the from the loss adjusters of what we should be guiding per square foot or per square metre. So we can give a guide, you know, and you generally have the conversation. A lot of the time, a farmer might have put, done a lot of work himself putting up a shed, and that's first time around. They, you know, they might have dug foundations or poured foundations, but I can guarantee you, a second time around. Most of them don't want to go near it and, you know, when you insure something, you want it done so that you can get in the contractor, get it done lock, stock and barrel and not be out of pocket. I mean, the idea of insurance is to put you back into the same position. No better, no worse. That's that's where you should be. So really, you, that's, that's where you're, what you're aiming for in a proper insurance policy. And how important in your business and you're going out to farmers the whole time is integrity? Well, Jim... I suppose you're selling a promise right. and you know uh, a farmer is getting a piece of paper mm. and he's depending on you that when something goes wrong that you'll be there for him so it is it's a big ask you know it's not like going into a shop and you're buying a, a litre of milk or you're, you're getting something for your money but integrity I mean I, I suppose it's 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 the most important thing is that you trust and integrity and dealing with a good company and somebody that like we're uh, often, you know, you try to put yourself in the client's own oh. own boots, you know. Uh, yeah, that's and good. you know, yeah. and I mean, I'd always have the conversation with a person. Often they mightn't like to hear what you're saying, but at least you have to tell them, you know. Yeah. So, look, um, it's very important. I mean, every word you say, you must you must do what you say and stand over it, Jim. And I mean, right. thanks be to God. Uh, uh, over the, I'm, I'm twenty something years at that now, and twenty two years at it, Jim. Right. And it, now it's, you're on your young. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's, it, look, it's highly important. Yeah, highly important. I, I'd imagine that it has to be yes. high, highly important because, uh, you know, and integrity has to be on both sides. Ab- well, Jim, no, I'm, I'm glad you said that. That's absolutely true because, yeah, you can work with a person, you know, you, you must, yeah, actually, uh, um, one of the, one of the, what you call, one of the founding principles of insurance is utmost good faith. Right. It's it's normally said in Latin, but okay. I'm not. Uh, your, your Latin isn't up to my scratch. Latin, no. right, yeah, no, but utmost, and, and utmost good faith on both sides. That's right. You know, on both sides, and it, it's the same way. You know, if a farmer, he must tell you what he's doing and tell you know. And if if you have openness on both sides, you're halfway there. Okay. Now we hear horrific stories of people uh, who something has happened, and there seems to be a non-going thing for years before yes. the insurance company coughs up or has to cough up. Okay. Uh, how good are you on looking after the poor old times? <laughs> well, it's giving you a bit of money anyway. Well, to go back to the utmost good faith, faith. Jim, look, most 99% of our claims go through True. go through quite easily. Yeah. And, and generally, when you have somebody up front and who wants fairness, and we all want fairness, yeah. but the, you, we'll all hear that there, there may be the odd claim where something is going on in the background, and often people say, oh, something... You're not always sure what's happening, but there, right. there may be another story or something going on in the background. But thankfully, Jim, I know for, from Zurich's point of perspective, 99% of two claims go through relatively quickly and easily, and you know, with, with, with good faith on both sides. Yeah, that's extremely important. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. and uh, you know, I, I'm just saying that you know, the people who get paid immediately or quickly, we never hear from them. But you're always <laughs> going to hear the story of where uh, the insurance company has been dragging it out. Well, yes. Look, yeah. Jim, I, I hear those stories myself. And often, yeah. of course, we can't comment yeah, of on, 
and what the other is doing. Absolutely, are, and, yeah, I mean, confidentiality. And we're, and, and we're not going to comment either now. No, no, but, but in general, we've just tried to get the message across that it's fairly quickly. Well, absolutely, Jim. If, yeah. Look, if you have things done right, and yeah. Uh, yeah. certainly most claims just go too easily, but often they say that there may be a comment about a claim, and I might know something, but I have to keep it, obviously, and you, you might know of a certain issue. But thankfully, as I said, 99%, yeah. Jim, no problem. Okay, that's farm insurance. Yes. You do house insurance Certainly. for the ordinary Joe Soap that's living Absolutely. in the middle of the uh, for the sake of argument. Joe, yeah. we are, yeah, uh, certainly, Jim. Look, we you're open for business. And we're open for business, and the same thing would go for houses as regards uh, the, the, the yeah. cost of rebuilding. Yeah. And same with cars. You know, yeah. all of, all of the it applies the same principles apply across the board, Jim. You know, but uh, and look, people in general properties are better. We've all got a bit better off, thanks be to God. Yeah. And the standard of houses, the standard of farm buildings, cars, everything has come up. But I suppose, to, having said that, the cost of everything. You know, we're all living in more expensive houses and driving more expensive cars. So that's, but that's really what's bringing yeah, yeah. up. Yeah, and I, I, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> you me. know, the, the way in which timber and steel absolutely have risen in the past six months, not to talk about before. before absolutely, you know, absolutely. So that's a challenge. It's a challenge for you, but it's also a challenge for the farmer. Ab- absolutely, but look, Jim, it's all about having the chat. Right, having a chat and you know, or being up uh, beforehand, and yeah. and you know, and trying to mitigate those factors, and uh, but being aware, you know, that uh, so it's it's a good idea to have a chat, and you know, when, when you're doing your insurance, and we're quite happy to do it with existing customers, and more than more than delighted to do it with new customers. Uh, okay, <laughs> so okay, on a finished a note, then, you know, final note. Anybody listening to the two of us this morning, Willie? Uh, how would I make contact with Zurich? Well, we are um, from from myself. To, to put, to well, put my no, for yourself. Well, from, well, I put myself forward. I, I first know of you're all. living in Tipperary, so I'm, that 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 solves the Tipperary <laughs> side of it. But, uh, but uh, you know, no, we, I, I look. I suppose online, and uh, uh, if you go to Zurich.ie online, yeah, it it lists and farming. It, it lists all of the. We we have a number of representatives around the country uh, who are highly highly skilled and qualified in in uh, talking about farm insurance. And uh, if you go online, you can pick up all those. But we also have a. Um, um, a number, I say, a countrywide number. We're actually based in Wexford. Yeah. We, have an o- we have an 053 number that you can get online also. And we're also in the Farmer's Journal uh, uh, most weeks as well. So, look. Uh, I, I was just going to say, we're used to your face on the <laughs> journal. Uh, so don't, uh, let, uh, don't let that put anybody off. No, no one put that. <laughs> look at Willie. Thanks very much for having a chat with us. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the ploughing. Jim, it was lovely to see you. And thank you very much for calling to see us here. The star attraction on the Zurich stand at the ploughing was none other than Davy Fitzgerald, who is well known to us all from various sources, whether it's radio or TV. Fellas like me remember you as a hurler, Davy. It's a while ago now, so it is. Um, I, but I remember them days fondly, so I do. But they were good days, weren't they? Ah, listen, in, in hurling you get good ones and bad ones, you know, but when I look back... I was blessed, like yeah. I was part of a great team, and, we, and, we, yeah, yeah. and we had some good days, like in Clare, we hadn't won in... You had broke to... our heart plenty of times, I was down oh. in Park Oak <laughs> <laughs> once, <laughs> once or twice, once or twice, you, you yeah. know, but it, it happened both ways, we we got, we got were on the other end of it too, I can tell you <laughs> and that. Well, and, and maybe for long enough. Yeah, for too yeah. long. Yeah, okay, look at, uh, as I said, you're the star attraction here on the Zurich stand, will you give me your 
ideal, fittest farmer. What would, what would uh, really? Now, when you're a man that has trained hurling teams, you know what fitness is all about. Not to talk well, about uh, Ireland's fittest family. So what we're doing here is yeah. you're just doing two small events, right? But yeah. the two events actually will te- it tests your leg strength and it tests your upper body strength, right. which is two good aspects, right? Yeah. And it's funny, some of them come in yesterday and they were thinking, ah, we'll do this, no problem whatsoever. It's easy, easy going. They didn't stand a bar a minute. Like, it was, it was tough going. Like, so, you can be out and you can be farking all the bales you want or doing whatever, but even the step-ups we did yesterday is tough going. There's, in fitness, there's different levels of fitness, right? Yeah. You, from your leg strength to your body strength to your mental strength, there's to so many aspects. Mm-hmm. So, we've tried a few of them out here, but you know the big thing we're trying to have is a bit of fun. No matter what you do in sport, you have to have a small bit of fun as well, and yeah. I will be massive advocate of that. Yeah, it's very important. I watched you here on the, on the first day at the ploughing and the people doing the various uh, exercises that you wanted them to do, and it was. And Sometimes some of them mightn't think it was fun. Yeah, no, some at times, right? But I, I kind of, I don't want the fun to disappear out of sport. There's enough of things in life yeah. that are challenging and that are tough, and we've a lot of illness and different things out there. We can't make sport too intense that we can't enjoy it and I think that's the key thing is we have to get back to enjoying it like that so in, in, uh, that's what we'll be trying to do no matter what the story is that's very interesting coming from you because yeah. you know you've been through the mill you have hurled number one yeah. and been a winner of all Ireland finals yeah. so and then you've gone to, into the coaching and the management yeah. side of it yeah. that there should be fun in sport no, there I, should be fun in no, sport listen a lot of people will look at me probably on the TV and say, oh, he's awful intense or this, that and the other thing. You'll see me for three minutes on the television or the 75, right? Yes, I'll be serious. Yes, I'll train hard. But if I can't have the laugh at the same time in the middle of it, and I try and do that, be as fair as you can, be as honest as you can, work them hard, but also have a bit of crack as well at yeah. the same time. And Like, I don't want lads going out under pressure. As we've said, enough of pressure in life. Let's go out and enjoy this and see what we're made of. Yeah, some of the enjoyment has gone out of it. It's... It, it, you know, hurling, okay, it's an amateur game, but it's nearly at the same level as uh, professional sport. There's a lot of hours in it, right? Serious yeah. amount of hours, be it hurling, be it football, be it soccer. Like, yeah. There's a lot of hours involved in it. And the most important thing, if you're spending 20 or 30 hours a week doing something, you can't be just absolutely killing yourself and beating yourself up all the time, you know? Yes, be the best you can be, but also having a smile on your face while you're doing it is important too. Yeah. And I suppose... It's only as you get a bit older, maybe a small bit wiser, you see, you know, what, like, you've got to understand what you're actually dealing with as well. And that's what I, maybe the last few years has taught me that a bit more. Will I be competitive? Will I get out and give out? Of course I will, and I'll try and win. But when it's over, it's over, you know, and um, that's the big thing for me. Uh, Who'll win the All-Ireland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, Sorry. So everyone is saying it's done, like Limerick Limerick are a small bit ahead of the posse. Yeah. But that has to change at some stage, so we'll, we'll have to wait and we see. Wait well. we, wait long, <laughs> we waited a long time for, for, to, to get Kilkenny off the yeah, well, pedestal. Limerick are doing a great job, yeah, and you have to respect really them. You have to respect them and what they're doing, but we're all now going to be chomping at the bit and see what we can we do. We all here. want to beat them. <laughs> Listeners, my next guest is John Cross, and John is the uh, sheep chairperson with the IFA in South Tipperary. And you may remember last week I mentioned at the end of the programme last week that there was an open regional sheep meeting taking place in Care House on Monday the 10th of October. That's next Monday. 
and uh, John is with me now this morning to talk about that and other matters relating uh, to uh, sheep and the sheep trade. Good morning, John. Good morning, Jim. Okay, John, as I said there at the beginning, I mentioned that I mentioned this uh, at the end of last programme. That's the Open Regional Sheep Meeting. Tell us a little bit about that, John. Yeah, we have a very good lineup of speakers. We have Kevin Comiskey, the IFA National Sheep person. Then we have Seamus McMenamin uh, uh, from Borbia, who will be talking about the markets for, for lamb. Then we have Michael Gunn, uh, he's head of the Chagas Sheep Programme. And then we have Sean Coney uh, from the local office in Clonmel, who will discuss the new acre scheme, which is uh, replacing uh, loss. So it is uh, a very good panel of speakers, so I would encourage any sheep farmers uh, in the area to, to go and get all the up-to-date information, especially on the new acre scheme now, which is very new at the moment, and people will be deciding whether they'll go winter or not at this stage. So they'll get all the up-to-date information at this meeting. Okay. So that's the meeting, and uh, that's uh, taking place in Care House Hotel on Monday night, and that is at uh, 8 p.m. Now, what are the other issues out there pertaining uh, to sheep at the moment from uh, the perspective of the IFA and particularly uh, John in South Tipperary? Well, land prices for the last two you know, yeah. uh, two years are pretty okay. Uh, they have improved uh, over from a low base from the previous years before that. Uh, at the moment, they're making anything from 610 to 650 uh, cents a kilogram. Yeah. And at the moment, the prices are running very much along last year's levels. But as you know, since the price of concentrate has gone up anywhere, uh, nearly double, you know, four to yeah. 500 euros a ton, fertilizer prices have doubled as well. So sheep farmers have all those costs, as well as all the other farmers, and uh, the prices are still the same. So it is a, a, a putting a damper on the whole sheep business because, uh, you know, the store lamb trade now will be very much dependent on farmers to have, to have grass with, uh, to go and buy store lamb. But then they'll have to feed them to get them up to a good enough condition. So is the confidence there to buy store lambs uh, and to feed them so that with the, the, the lamb, because you're depending on those store lamb buyers to keep the trade going for years. So, uh, so there is a bit of a, damp, uh, a damper because of the, the higher cost of meal and the higher cost of fertilizer, and maybe is grass as plentiful as it you know should be at this time of the year. You know, to, mm-hmm. now in fairness, thankfully some rain did come, uh, but it was quite dry around here, as you know, for, uh, yeah. for up to August, end of August. So, uh, so the, I suppose that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Uh, plus the fact that in the, in the recent budget, uh, sheep farmers gained nothing, you know, going forward, mm-hmm. if you like. That but we have the sheep welfare trade, sheep, which is worth 10 euros a year, and that still remains the same in, in the upcoming 
for, for the upcoming budget, you know. So, uh, so you know, the, the biggest problem is if we want to attract young farmers into sheep, you know, the, the profitability is the, is the big problem compared to the other uh, farm sectors, which are way more, uh, uh, I suppose, profitable. So that is a, an issue going down. Now, another issue with uh, sheep is wool. Yeah. Uh, wool, for instance, now is only making 20 cents a kilogram. And uh, a two, uh, two and a half kgs per fleece is the weight of a fleece on average. Mm-hmm. That only comes to 50 cents. And, uh, you know, farmers are paying anywhere from two to three euros to get the sheep sheared. And the sheep have to be sheared from an animal welfare point of view. So that is another issue for sheep farmers. That wool, which often made quite a, a reasonable amount of money and definitely paid for the shearing and doubled that, uh, is now a, a big cost to sheep farmers. So uh, that is, uh, you know, the, and as in fairness, that's a, a more trade issue, you know, because, uh, you know, the, this, this has been going on now for the last four or five years. The wool has, is just, uh, you know, uh, it's just a very, very poor price uh, because there's no demand for it. I know the government now have invested some money to do research into other uses of wool uh, for insulation purposes, particularly, you know, and yeah. hopefully, in fairness, it's very suitable for that. And now with the price of oil going up, because uh, all those other insulation products are based on, on oil, that maybe wool might get a, a bounce on that. Okay, that would be that would be good for uh, if wool could get a, a bounce because it's a pity it's not still being used in the textile industry like it used to be. That is uh, obviously not, and that's the reason mm-hmm. uh, because of the other, you know, the other uh, uh, I suppose oil-based products that have been used in the fashion industry. So. Uh, you know, but in fairness, there is a new re- realization now that wool, uh, you know, it has been ignored for years. Uh, I suppose even, even by the fashion industry, but it might come back now because of the because the, the wool is so environmentally friendly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's uh, he has all a whole lot of useful products. You know, it's a very good mm-hmm. insulator. You know, the woolly jumper, as we all know. Now, in fairness, uh, in the modern fashion industry, you know, there is more now uh, of a, uh, a realisation that, that wool should be looked at again. And uh, now the other thing, in actual fact, uh, sheep farmers are probably agree, sheep do it for the environment, especially up in the hills. And But for the fact that sheep are grazing there, those hills and mountains would be overgrown with forbs, etc. And then you'd have uh, uh, fires, as we all know what's happening yeah. in, in southern Europe. So, and, and even as suckler cows are performing an environmentally uh, function for society in grazing those areas, which other species, you know, like the dairy cow and even cattle, would not be able to to the same extent. So I think uh, 
sheep are providing a very good function. Uh, it's a pity that the, the, whole, the budget did not, uh, I suppose, uh, see to that. You know, the, the farmers were hoping for, sheep farmers were hoping for an increase in sheep welfare scheme from 10 years ago, at least up to 20, uh, and even up to 30, you know, mm-hmm. if it was there. But uh, the fact that it is not a good, uh, you know, the way the government are thinking uh, in the long term for sheep. Okay, uh, so there's a lot of issues that, uh, you know, that uh, sheep farmers have to deal with and uh, needless to mention, uh, you and your colleagues in the IFA will be uh, pushing government to get the best possible deal. But, John, before I let you go this morning, will you again give out the details of uh, next Monday's open regional sheep meeting that's taking place in Care House? Yes, it is a public uh, meeting. Uh, it's on the tent, uh, Monday the tent, next Monday, Care House Hotel, 8pm, and a good line-up is yours, Kevin Komiski, the IFA sheep, National Sheep Chairman, uh, Seamus McMenamin from Board B, uh, will be looking at the markets, Michael Godstein is the head of the Chagas Sheep Programme, and Sean Coney will be the local advisor, talking on the new acre scheme, which is replacing Glast. So, It'll be, it'll be a very informative meeting and uh, uh, I'm sure there'll be, you know, loads of questions from the audience. Okay. Well, After, look, that's what we'll be hoping for. Okay, John. Look, thanks for, for joining us this morning. That listeners was John Cross uh, talking to us about sheep and I suppose also trying to encourage you all farmers to turn up to that event in Care House on Monday and the kickoff time is 8pm. With me I now have Pat McCormick who is the president of the Irish Cream and Milk Suppliers Association. First of all we say it's great to be back here in Ratanivska. Without a doubt, look, it's great to see rural Ireland. I suppose it's the it's the culmination festival, really, of of all the shows around the country. In general, at this time of the year, the work is done, the harvest is done, the vast majority of fertilisers and slurries and all that are, are done, and uh, farmers have an opportunity maybe to come and see the latest technologies, the latest equipment, depending on their flavour. But but equally, it's important for them, I suppose, to meet meet old acquaintances and to talk. And you know, there's been a lot of reminiscing done here in the last number of hours over, you know, fr- bygone friends uh, that were here in 2019 that aren't with us today. And, uh, you know, I suppose the struggles that, that, that there were indeed uh, throughout COVID and the rural isolation. But equally, I think there was an acknowledgement that as a profession, farmers were fortunate during COVID that, you know, it was to one degree or another, it was a lot of, a lot of the time it was business as usual that, you know, we were working in isolation and that you could continue to work, albeit... Uh, you know, farmers said that the, a lot of the older generation would have said that they hugely missed the marts during that period of time. That, you know, it was their one outlet in the week where they got to meet their peers. And, you know, thankfully we're seeing a, a resumption of, of, of life in the new normal, which is post COVID. And, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed that that's the way it will be for the, the, the winter and indeed the spring ahead. Okay, and uh, looking then at the year ahead, uh, we're after having what could be termed a bumper year as far as most farm commodities are concerned but looking into next year uh, I know I'm asking you to spin the crystal ball and see where things are going but there will be challenges in 23 
Yeah, I think there'll be challenges in the remainder of 22. Um, you know, obviously we've seen good beef prices during the early, early part of the year, in particular up to maybe a month ago. We've seen dairy prices hit, hit a, new, a new high. But, you know, we have to take that in the context, and, and I said it on, on a not so long ago, um, you know, your article of fertiliser was €6,500 this time 12 months. It's probably €23,000 today. And that's just an example of the cost that are out there. Feed fertiliser uh, and the usage of energy is going to be a huge concern uh, in the weeks and months ahead. And, you know, talking to people coming in the gate this morning, they were heading straight for the generator stands. Um, I think it'll probably be the, the one place where there'll be significant sales made. Um, but, you know, people have a fear, they have a fear of the cost, they have a fear of the availability of energy um, as, as we approach the winter. But, you know, we have to look at it with a degree of optimism. There's, there's a growing global population. Um, our beef and our dairy are recognised as some of the most sustainable from an environmental perspective and indeed an economic perspective uh, around Europe and indeed, indeed compete globally in that perspective. So I think we, we are well placed, but we can't underestimate the challenges. And I suppose one of the biggest challenges that's out there is the the environmental emissions target, the reduction of 25%. But equally, for a lot of our members, they're hugely concerned here today about you know, the nitrates, the nitrates derogation, and the bending of cows moving to 106. And uh, you know, there's a huge degree of anxiety out there, and they're looking for clarity, um, a clarity that we've been looking for ourselves in the department, and you know, hopefully we'll get it sooner rather than later. It's, it's very difficult at times to get clarity out of the department. If it, ever. It's a slow burner, um, yeah. certainly, that's for sure. Um, you know, obviously, we're seeing CAP coming in in tandem with, with that. So there's huge change. There's anxiety around, you know, meeting the 7, 7% target for the eco scheme uh, and maybe the various other measures from a dairy farmer perspective. And, uh, you know, I suppose it's mixed with a, a degree of caution. Certainly, I think, you know, people are saying today that if they have a few pounds, they're going to try and clear their bills, maybe rather than purchasing something shiny and new today at the plumage that they might be paying for for the next five years. Right, so it doesn't sound good here for the machinery people. Uh, look, at before we started this interview, we were talking about where things were going between now and 2030, and particularly with uh, the exporting of uh, live animals. Yeah, you know, there's, there's this huge concern about the, out there about the new recommendations coming from Europe. Obviously, they have to be discussed by the MEPs, Council of Ministers, and indeed the Commission. But you know, it would significantly reduce, at a minimum, it would significantly reduce the stock and density on our on our exports of calves, in particular, uh, and indeed Wayne's. Um, you know, that ultimately would undermine the viability of, of the export. And that's, that's, that's a huge concern for us. Uh, we need to get those approximately 250, 300,000 animals uh, off this island nation. And we're on the periphery of Europe. Uh, the time involved in exporting is, is a huge concern as well. We need to seek concession uh, for being on the periphery of Europe. And that's exactly where we are. We're very, very different to mainland Europe. And, you know, hopefully, not to scare your listeners, yeah. you know, to be 26, 27 before any of that will be implemented. But hopefully it can be implemented in a way that is manageable and, and is cost-efficient. Cost, um, uh, because we have a rec- reputation out there around Europe from an animal welfare perspective that's right at the top of the class. We've been recognised over the last three to four years uh, for being right up there as, as the most animal f- humanity friendly uh, and equally our stock are well sought after out there in the feedlots. And that's a testament uh, to the delivery of those calves. And that's right from the moment they're born to the moment they'll end. Right, and of course we're talking about dairy beef animals, and that's very that's very important because the dairy industry itself, you know, even and to stand still now needs th- those exports. Look, look, we do. Uh, there's opportunity maybe for others in the yeah. in the agricultural sector to benefit from the dairy. I think dairy is is coming into a period of maturity uh, where we'll see sex semen used and maybe less expansion than we've had. 
and uh, you know there's an opportunity there with the DBI and indeed the various breed societies uh, that we'd produce an animal that's compatible to the dairy industry from a calving perspective but that's fit for purpose in the beef industry and maybe there's opportunity there for others in the beef industry to look at dairy beef as a viable option. Coming back then to the association itself under your stewardship, how's it going? Well, you know, it's, it's busy, never been busier. Obviously, we, we, we had two years of COVID where there was significant uh, restriction on travel, but certainly we're looking forward to doing a round of AGMs, uh, and they'll be in our own county as well, and indeed the county AGMs in the weeks ahead. Uh, there's huge lobby going on. We met with Minister McGrath, Minister O'Donoghue, and Minister O'Connell-Logue, for example, in the last 10 days on, on the budget, and we look forward with anticipation to budget day this day week, and, you know, hopefully there'll be something meaningful in it for the agricultural sector, and indeed for farmers to to navigate their way through the, the, the future from a climate perspective. Now they're talking in the budget, and now that you mentioned it, that they're going to help uh, small and medium-sized enterprises. Farming is one of those enterprises, but there doesn't seem to be any mention in anything coming from government that they're going to give the farmer any little bit of help when it comes to uh, purchasing energy in particular for the winter period. Yeah, and that's an absolute necessary because, you know, the, the purchase of energy at farm, farm level is going to be significant. It's going to hit the, the level of margin. But equally, you know, and I know they are going to help the processing sector, but, you know, that also hits uh, the, the price that the farmer receives, whether it's for dairy or beef. And, uh, you know, that's hugely concerning. And it's, it's, to be honest, Jim, it's one of the concerns uh, that's been issued out there. You know, where's milk price going to be next May? Where's it going to be next April? And that's, that's, that's very hard to know at this point in time. Uh, but certainly farmers are receiving checks that they haven't historically received. But they're telling me it's no bother. There's plenty of gaps uh, with feed, fertiliser, oil, agri-contractor charges haven't to, incre- haven't to increase. Uh, so, you know... It's very, very necessary that the prices we receive today are maintained uh, in order to maintain uh, viable family farms because in 2022, in fairness, we didn't get the full brunt uh, of the inflation that is potentially ahead of us in 2023. And that is definitely ahead of us, as we can see. And let's hope government will do something. Anything you'd like to say to your members in particular before I let you go? No, look, if this is going out, um, obviously to call in, to have a chat at the plough match. Uh, If not, hopefully we'll see you at the branch meetings across both mid, north, south and west Tipperary in the weeks ahead. Okay, well look at Pat, thanks very much and there's Pat is encouraging the members in Tipperary to get out there and go to the branch AGMs. That listeners is Agriport for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me, Jim Finn, at the same time next week. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock and after that, Eamon DeWire presents Down Your Way.